0: Listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast Today I want to speak to you on the subject Christmas presents. Christmas presents. There was this young boy that that he received a harmonica for Christmas from his uncle. And and then he didn't see his uncle for a few months. And a few months later, he, he saw his uncle for the first time since Christmas. And with a large smile on the little boy's face, he walked up to his uncle and he said, thanks for the harmonica that you gave me for Christmas. He said, it's the best present that I've ever received. It's the best present I ever got. And his uncle was just thrilled. He said, well, that's great. He said, do you know how to play it? Like, did you learn how to play it? And the little boy said, oh, I don't play it. He said, my mom gives me a dollar not to play it during the day. And my dad gives me $5 a week not to play it at night. (laughs) Best present I ever received. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes as parents though, and and this is speaking from experience, sometimes as, as parents, we regret giving Santa the approval to bring certain gifts into our homes. You know what I'm talking about. Parents in the room, you know what I'm talking about. When Caleb and Kendall were younger, numerous times I experienced buyer's remorse after Christmas like why did we do that what were we thinking because some toys are just loud like you can't find the battery soon enough they they are just loud some some gifts require assembly it's like it's like Ikea puts out all these gifts and you got to put everything together and listen I'm one of those guys it doesn't have to be for my kids I'm one of those good friends, like if you call me on Christmas Eve and you're like, hey, I've got a swing set i got to put together, I'm there. I'm there. I'll show up. Hey, I've got a trampoline that I need to put together. Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll put, put a trampoline together. I hate it. I hate putting a trampoline together. This is a fun fact. No, I mean, this wasn't even my notes, but fun fact. Trampolines were designed in hell. They were. They were. It's, it's, look at it. It says on the box, made in hell. But, um, <laughs> but I'm that guy. I show up and I'll put stuff together. And, and, and then there's those gifts that just haunt you for years and years to come. I remember one time, Kendall, she had this, this doll that she got for Christmas named Boo. And, and if you remember the movie Monsters, Inc., it's Boo from Monsters, Inc. So it's this sweet little precious little girl And Kendall loved this thing. She would take Boo everywhere she went. But depending on Boo's location in the middle of the night in the toy box, sometimes you could be walking by Kendall's bedroom and in the middle of the night, you you would hear Boo and she would be like, Mike Wazowski, Mike Wazowski. And you would hear this thing. And I was like, and I looked for batteries. Like I'm looking, searching. It was possessed. Needed no batteries, just, just, you know, eyes light up and just talks on its own. It's crazy. But, but crazy stuff like that, buyer's remorse, why did we do that? And, and for parents of smaller children, I, I just want to encourage you, hang in there, hang in there. It gets easier, it gets better. And the, the presents, they get less loud the older that your child becomes, and, and they often come with headphones but also be warned, they get more expensive too, okay? Smaller, less loud, but more expensive. Um, You know, some of you are having a hard time figuring out what to buy people for Christmas, and listen, this is not one of those sermons where I'm going to like, you know, say, you shouldn't give gifts, you just should worship Christ during Christmas, and forget all the gift giving and all that. I love to give gifts, okay? It's one of my love languages. I love to give gifts, and uh, some of you are struggling right now, and you're, 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 you know, searching on, on Amazon, you're trying to fill you know all of your Christmas needs there and, uh, and, and trying to figure out what to buy people. And um, I can give you a list if, if you want to. I'll share my Amazon wish list with you and I can, I can help you out with that. But when I was, when I was five years old, I, some of you know this story, but when I was five years old, I, I wanted a puppy so very badly. And, and here's what I think. I think every child, Pastor Scott, every child deserves a puppy. I do. Every child. If you agree with me, say amen. 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 Every child. Kendall, I said every child. Not, not grown adult children. Every little child. You've had your puppy. I gave in. And you had, with 16 and a half years, we had that dog, okay? But every child deserves to have a puppy. I just, I just believe that. And I wanted a dog. I wanted a puppy for Christmas. And so my mom, on Christmas Eve, she sends my dad to go find me a puppy that they can give to me on christmas day so my dad does he goes he goes and he finds a puppy it was only six months old black lab it was already that tall and my mom was so mad at my dad but man i love that dog i did i named him chief it was a smart dog i love that dog so much um but mom was very upset with dad for bringing home a full-size dog when i wanted a puppy um When I was seven years old, I wanted a racetrack. That's all I wanted. That's all I could talk about. I just want a racetrack. Everyone that asked me, I want a racetrack. I told mom and dad I want a racetrack. I told Santa I want a racetrack. I told my brother I want a racetrack. I told my grandparents I want a racetrack. And so Christmas morning, I had four racetracks underneath the Christmas tree. We had one set up in the dining room. We had one set up in the in, in the dining uh, let's see, living room, dining room, we had two in the den. We had racetracks everywhere and the whole family got in on it. Man, we were all racing cars together and had tournaments to to go from this track. You had to beat someone to get to this one and then you didn't get, I mean it it was set up it was the right way. When I was about eight years old, I got into collecting Star Wars action figures. Star Wars action figures, which action figures are great because they don't make any noises. They're not like Boo, okay? They don't make any noises. And, uh, and, and that, that's, that's what I wanted. And I told everybody, I just want Star Wars. And that Christmas, man, on Christmas morning, Santa brought me the Millennium Falcon. I had the Death Star. I had the Ewok Village. Man, I had it all. And it was great. On Saturday mornings for, for the next couple of years, I would wake up early and I'd set up our whole den. And it was a world. A galaxy far, far away is what it was, man. All was <laughs> It was fantastic the gift-giving aspect of Christmas, it actually finds its origin in the greatest gift of all. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God gave. God gave. And that's what God is. If you want to know what God is, God is a giver. God is a giver. You see, he, he gave his breath. When he created man, he gave his breath. The very breath that you're breathing right now, whether you worship him or not, the breath that you're breathing right now is a gift from God. He breathed the breath of life into humanity. He gave. And, and then when we mess things up, he gave us the law. Here, here's some instructions on how to get back and right standing with me. He gave us that. When, when we couldn't get to, to get all that figured out, we couldn't get that fixed, then he gave us his son. And after he gave us his son, those that call upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. After we do that, he gave us the promise of the Holy Spirit. So that we would be empowered to live life. And, and, and listen, we need these promises. We need these gifts from God. God is a gift giver and God gave his son, Jesus Christ, for the sins of the world. Amen? Amen. At a dark time in, in world history, the son of God, he stepped out of heaven and he planted himself in humanity. The greatest present was his presence. John chapter 1, I want to read verses 9 through 14. John chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. It says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And here it is, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, John doesn't give us the nativity scene, he doesn't really spell out the birth of Christ. And I would love to say that he takes us back to the origin, but, but, but you have to understand something that we cannot understand, and that's that he always has been. There, there's no beginning to Christ. As part of the Godhead Trinity, he has always been. He is everlasting. He is eternal. And so it's not really an origin story, but as far as it relates to him being here on earth, he gives us the beginning of that, and he says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so he tells us that that, that is, is what Christ did for us, the Word, God, Jesus. He became flesh and dwelt among us. And he said, we've seen his glory, glory as, as of the only Son from the Father, and it's full of grace and it's full of truth. This encapsulates what Christmas is about. The great C.S. Lewis was so enthralled by the birth of Christ that he argued that the grand miracle of Christianity was not the crucifixion or the resurrection. Hear me out. He said that the, the grand miracle was not the crucifixion or the resurrection. He didn't devalue those events. But what C.S. Lewis was so impressed with is that he saw every other miracle of Scripture as preparing, uh, as preparing for or demonstrating or resulting from the incarnation. In other words, none of that other stuff is possible if you don't have the birth of Christ that's what cs lewis was trying to drive home that that's his point that that The the death, burial, the resurrection of Christ, none of that is possible if he is not first born. He must be born first. And and, and so, in in writing about this, C.S. Lewis said these words, he says, the Christian story is precisely the story of one grand miracle, the Christian assertion being that what is beyond all space and time, what is uncreated, eternal, came into nature, into human nature, descended into his own universe, and rose again, bringing nature up with him it is precisely one great miracle if you take that away there is nothing specifically christian left that is the importance that c.s lewis put on the birth of christ and i hope and i pray today that by the time i finish this that you too will realize the importance of the birth of christ and how it relates to you how it relates to me and how it relates to our salvation As we begin this Christmas season at DCC, as we begin to celebrate in our own homes, I want us to place a value beyond the gifts. Let's let's celebrate. Let's do it right. Let's be kind to one another. let's, let's, Let's give gifts. But listen to me. Listen to me. With all of that being said and done, if we don't realize the true meaning of Christmas and the value of what it means for us, it's all in vain. God revealed himself to us by taking on human form. The creator became creation. He was here for it, church. He was here for it, and he made his presence known. When when he did, now humanity, we could touch him. We could feel him. We could shake his hand. We could hug his neck. We could betray him with a kiss now. We could crucify him because he was tangible. He was one of us in human form. Now, it's very interesting to me that he was a child before he was a man. And, and this puzzles many people. Maybe there's some of you in the room today that that this continues to puzzle you. That, that Why? Why was he a child before he was a man? And And over 700 years before his birth, the prophet Isaiah made sure that those who were seeking the Messiah would know that he would appear as a small child. Listen to this, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, for to us a child is born. That's what he said, for to us a child is born. Now let me pause there just for a moment. I I encourage you, this Christmas season, find some time, carve out some time to just go back 700 years before the birth of Christ and read the book of Isaiah. Isaiah. Some refer to it as a mini Bible. There's so many parallels there. There's 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. There's 66 books in the Bible. It is separated. Like you can see where there is almost an an Old Testament and there is almost a New Testament in Isaiah. I mean, it, it is so defined. But there's so many references to the birth of Christ, 700 years before he was actually born. But he told us in chapter 9 and verse 6 of Isaiah... For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. If only those that were searching, those that were looking for the Messiah, if only the Israelites, if they would have taken the prophet Isaiah at his words, maybe they could have seen the Messiah for who he really was they were looking for this grown king that that would set up his earthly kingdom and 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 they were hoping that he would be the one that would redeem israel that's what they were looking for but the prophet said for to us a child is born but they were missing that instead the messiah broke the silence of heaven in a baby's cry but why why did he come as a baby why would he come into this world weak, vulnerable, dependent upon others? It doesn't make sense, right? Not long after after Knox, our, our grandson, was born, about a week, maybe a week and a half into it, Mandy was having a conversation with Caleb, we were all sitting there, you know, just talking, and, and Mandy, I don't, I don't remember exactly how it was worded, but she said something along the lines, maybe of, of you know, do you think he'll be athletic, or something along, you know, just asking about his future, and, and Caleb with all sincerity looked at his mother, and he said, I, I'm just trying to keep him alive. <laughs> like, that's the responsibility right now, and, and for those of you in the room that are parents, you remember that feeling, you know, you know, it's like, I can care less. I don't care if he ever dribbles a basketball. I don't care if he ever sings one note. I just want to make sure I do my part and I don't kill the kid, right? Can you imagine being Mary and Joseph? I mean, God has trusted you with his son. I mean, like, I'm putting that kid in bubble wrap. Nobody's ever going to hold that child. No one. No, get your filthy hands off of God's son. I can't afford for him to get sick right now. Like nobody is going to ever get to see this kid. He's always going to be protected. If, if I, and you remember when he's 12 years old, they lost him. They lost the son of God. Can you imagine the panic that was on their, on their hearts in that moment when you lose Jesus? Why? Why did he come so vulnerable weak, and dependent upon others? Why wouldn't he come as a full-grown man full of power and wisdom and, and ambition? It just doesn't make sense until you start to realize that just as Adam represented the entire human race in the Garden of Eden and led us into sin and death, Jesus represented all those who would trust in him leading us into forgiveness and eternal life. Listen to Romans 5 and 17. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Man, there's so much promise in that one verse right there. There's so much. It, it, it's just packed full. It explains to us that because of Adam's sin through one man, we were all doomed. Our destinies were were doomed. We, we, We were sentenced to hell. We were sentenced to death. But in that same verse, it gives us the hope of Christmas. It gives us what our souls desire, what we long for, but yet we don't deserve. That through another man, Jesus Christ, God's son, that we have triumph over sin, we have triumph over death. It was imperative that Jesus be born as a child and grow up to be a man. Galatians 4 and 4 says that, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. That's that's everything you need to know right there. He must be born and he must be born under the law. Jesus was born under the law. He couldn't skip the law. In order to fulfill the law, he had to experience the law. So he was born under the law. This should get you excited right here. You just don't understand it yet, but I'm going to get you there. I promise. He was born under the law. No other way could he fulfill it unless he was born. I don't know about you, but I need a Savior that has experienced life the way that I have experienced life. He came to be one of us and he didn't take any shortcuts, church. You know, I, I honestly, I probably would probably wouldn't put too much value on a god that that took shortcuts for my salvation. He didn't cheat his way out of this. It's not like you and your taxes. No, he he paid the full price. He did everything that he was supposed to do and he didn't cut any corners in doing it. He said, "I'm going to become one of them so that I can pay the price for them. And if they are born, I'm going to be born. If they have to be raised, I'm going to be raised. If they have to grow in stature, I'm going to grow in stature. If they have to mature, I'm going to mature." I'm I'm going to experience life exactly the way that they experience life so that when the time comes, I can be the perfect, spotless lamb that can be sacrificed for their sins. No shortcuts. Because the law is full of all of these rules and regulations. God gave it to them as a means back to him. But it's tough. I don't have time to get into all of them. Part of the requirement of the law was to be circumcised on the eighth day after being born. If he just showed up on the scene at 30 years old, that's awkward. (laughs) Let's move on. You don't have time for that. Also, if he just appeared in the form of a 30-year-old man, just poof, out of nowhere... He really would not have been 30 years old. He would only have appeared to be 30 years old. Now, this may not be important to some of you. You're like, I don't care. I mean, what what does it matter if he shows up and says, hey, I'm 30? What what does that matter? It matters. He needed to grow into being a 30-year-old man. Here's the reason why. According to Numbers 4 and 3, in order for a priest to be eligible for his Levitical duties, he had to be 30 years of age. It's not by accident that the ministry of Christ started at age 30. Just like every other priest, every other rabbi, just like every other man of God, he had to grow into that role. No shortcuts along the way. He would wait his time until it was time for him to become the teacher, to become the rabbi at 30 years of age. There's something to be said about aging into maturity. But let's put all the Jewish requirements aside. Because honestly, a baby represents so much more. For anyone who has children or you've experienced the birth of a child, you know that it is without a doubt a miraculous occurrence. If you've ever experienced that, you know that. What was once nothingness formed in a womb wherein God breathes the breath of life. That life grows, a belly swells with the hope and promise of a new baby because new babies represent life, they represent newness, they represent hope, they represent the future. And I'm going to get on my my soapbox just for a moment. I won't stay here long, but I'm warning you right now. Why do you think that the enemy has unleashed an all-out war on the unborn of this planet? because it represents newness. It represents hope. It represents the future. And church, this didn't begin with a political party and it didn't begin with a political agenda. The spirit of Herod that ordered all male children two years old and under in the vicinity of Bethlehem to be murdered is still very much alive today and it did not start with a political party. He tried to kill Jesus then. He is still trying to kill Jesus now. He cannot stand the thought of Jesus ruling and reigning in the lives of people and men and women and babies and children on this planet. He can't stand it because babies represent life. They represent newness. They represent hope, and they represent a future. And this baby that broke the silence, 400 years of silence from heaven, that baby, he was a second chance. He was an opportunity. He was a new beginning. This baby, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, represented a second chance for humanity. You, me, we all, we all got our second chance through the birth of Jesus Christ. Maybe C.S. Lewis was on to something. Because this child... Would lead us back to the Father. The first Adam failed us. The second Adam, Jesus, he freed us. The first Adam rebelled. The second Adam redeemed. The first Adam was selfish. The second Adam was selfless. I I think you see that this baby, he would be the answer to reconcile us with the Father, that through him we might be made right. Without him, we are dead in our sins. At first, you know, I'm only guessing, but he probably said something like goo-goo and gaga. Maybe that's his first words, maybe. Something like that. Goo-goo, gaga. But then he would learn to say mama and dada, just like every other child. Then, like your kids, he would start asking questions. How many of you have a child that asks questions? How many of you have grown children that still ask questions? I think it's, it, it's in the job description. They're just supposed to ask questions. And, and children, they ask lots and lots of questions. Jesus learned to ask questions. Sitting on the steps of the temple at 12 years old, the Bible says that he amazed them with his questions. But then he would learn to use his words to teach also. <clears throat> Isaiah said that he would strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And Jesus Christ certainly did that. But the words that he would speak as he would teach, he was bringing heaven to earth through his, through his words and through his parables. And the thing that I love about Jesus is that he, he wasn't focusing on, 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 on who had a doctorate in theology. No, he put it in layman terms. He taught the kingdom of heaven so that everyone could understand it. He wasn't out to impress someone with what he knew about the scriptures, although he knew the scriptures. He was more concerned with making sure that you understood, that I understood, that the people that were listening understood kingdom principles, and he would do whatever he had to do, tell whatever stories he had to tell to make sure that those principles were instilled in their hearts he would strike the earth with the rod of his mouth but the most important words that he would ever say he said while he was hanging on a cross when he said it is finished to tell us die it is finished it is accomplished it is done what was done at the moment that he took his last breath our salvation was complete. You see his resurrection brings about eternal life, but his death on the cross redeemed us. It redeemed me. That when I could not get back to the Father, he came born of a virgin, a baby He grew up, he became a a rabbi at 30 years old and he began to teach but he didn't stop there. He made sure that he accomplished what needed to be accomplished. The spotless lamb that knew no sin died for me, he died for you and he said, it is finished. Born as a child just like you, grew in wisdom and stature just like you and he was obedient all the way to the cross for you. Now, with all that in mind, I want us to read part of the Christmas story together. I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God was now present. He was here. No shortcuts. He was here. And for 4,000 years, church, humanity was trying to get back to God For 4,000 years, we were trying to to live up to the law. We were trying to dot the I's, cross the T's, trying to get it all right so that we could be back in communion with the Father. But we failed miserably. We could not do it. And there's a reason why God gave the law. He knew that they were not going to be able to live up to it. Because the law of God, it exposed our shortcomings. It exposed our failures. I want you to listen to Romans 7 and verse 7. Romans 7 and 7 says, What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. You hear what he said? If it hadn't been for the law, I wouldn't even be aware of my sin. You see, that's the purpose of the law. The law revealed our sin. We knew that we were not right with God, but our efforts, they fell short. No matter how hard we tried, we consistently failed. Here's, in a nutshell, here it is. God created us, we broke us, Christ fixed us. That's it. God created us, we broke us, Christ fixed us. And and when we were far from God, trying to get back to Him, trying our best to to live up to the law, we were constantly failing with it. And, And when we couldn't reach Him, God came to us, Emmanuel, God with us. He stepped out of glory. He stepped away from the throne. He became one of us so that He could lead us back into communion with the Father. Uh, church, I've come to this, this revelation for, for myself. Maybe you can adopt this for your life, but I can't trust what I did or what I do for Jesus. I can't. I can't trust what I did for Jesus, but I can completely depend on what he did for me. Amen. There's no doubts whatsoever. Even though I fail him, I know for a fact what he accomplished for me. It is set in stone. It is done. I can put all of my faith in what he has done for me. One Christmas Eve, there was this man that was wondering this same question Why did God choose to come down as a helpless infant? Why? It, it, it didn't make sense to him. And as he was thinking about this, he heard some noise outside of his window. So he looked out in, in his yard and he saw that there were some young geese that had landed in his backyard. The snow had, had drifted and they had landed in the snow. And, and they were flying from northern Canada towards the Gulf of Mexico. But one of the geese was injured. And, and, and this particular uh, group of geese, the, the way that this breed works is, is that... When they fly in formation, if one of them is injured, others will come down and not abandon him. And so they were, they were all in his yard together right there in the snow. And so this man, he, he was more heart than head. He ran outside to try and help these geese and, and approaching them, he scared them They began to flap around And as, as they were flapping around Some of them were getting injured They were sinking down into the snow and, and that's when he decided I'm going to open the garage door And I'm going to try and shoo them into my garage Give them a safe place where they can just rest and recover And, and, and they were not cooperating He was hoping that, that maybe he could get them in the garage Until wildlife management showed up And could help him figure out what to do But the more that he was trying to help the more harm that he was doing and for this one crazy moment it just popped in his head I wish I was a goose I wish that I was a goose because then I could talk their language I could talk to them I could show them that I'm here to help them and in that moment God laid it in his heart that that is the exact reason why Christ became a baby he had to become one of us listen when I was a when I was a youth pastor for nine years, I used to teach it like this to my students. It's a little comical, but it's okay. It's okay. It's kind of like when you, when you get that new dog that every child should have. <laughs> just making sure you're listening. I know the, the candles are blocking you and you like that, but just understand. When you get that new dog... And you take him outside, and and the first thing that he wants to do is he wants to run across the road. And he doesn't look for cars because they're dumb, and they don't know to look for cars. And you just know that Rover's going to get killed if he keeps doing this. I mean, life is going to end for him. And so you come up with this bright idea. I'm going to take him to the road on a leash so he can't run. While I have him on the leash, I, I'm going to get down beside him on all fours. That way I look like him. I'm going to unclip him from the leash. And Rover just looks at him like, what are you doing? I'm going to get down all fours and I'm going to teach Rover how to look both ways for cars before we cross the street. Don't tell me it can't be done. I had a chocolate lab when Mandy and I first got married. His name was Joe. We taught Joe how to pray before he would eat don't have time for it smart dog so think about this think about this you become like your dog to teach him how to cross the street so he doesn't get killed what if he became one of us he left royalty he left glory to become low like one of us to teach us how to cross the street to live life without getting killed I know it's so much deeper than that but man that's how much he loves us that he became us just so that we find our way safely back to the father because you can't do it I know I've tried I can't do it my righteousness is as filthy rags I cannot accomplish this but through him so that I wouldn't have to die. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving me, that even while I was yet a sinner, you died for me. thank you that your heart for humanity extends into this room, that there's not one person sitting here today that is not loved by you. And that when you chose to become one of us, you had them in mind. When you lived our life, you had them in mind. When you died on a cross, you had them in mind. Certainly, when you were resurrected, you had them in mind. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.